this is dingers way more than fantasy baseball we keep it real when we talk and knock it straight out the park <laughs> let's see the stats what's the average draft position what kind of plays you making check the wins above replacement check the lineups and the points this i gotta see what's your path to victory are they aiming for a dynasty get points going head to head please don't do me no favors we're always watching waivers ain't no minor league this is major yeah dingers let's go Welcome to Dingers, the only fantasy baseball podcast for smart people. It's not just the Beebs that wins you championships. That's why week in and week out, we're delivering tips and strategies to help you live that straight up OG lifestyle. I'm Tyler Childs, and joining me again, Robbie Baseball, as he chomps away on his potato chips. No, I couldn't hear you, but but you definitely had the chips rocking. Um, for those of you that are in the audio and, and for those of you that aren't in the audio, you're not actually listening to us because we do not have a video version. So, um, you know, diving in today, um, you know, we're, I've got a, a beer going that I'm not that excited about. Uh, Side Launch Brewing Company, which I do like Side Launch, but it is a, a dark lager, which it's just it's slightly on the too dark side for me. And and I think Robbie's got stealing some kid's lunch money or something. That is true. I just hit my microphone. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, I'm hitting up the lunch money 4.8% because you were mentioning on the last one that you were hitting a 7.1. So this is the art series. So this is Harry Tennant from London, England, uh, from Collective Arts Brewery out of Hamilton. So it's a tasty, delightful one, and I'm going to have to go to the LCBO and expand my horizons because I feel like I'm drinking the same four or five beers. To be fair, the Collective Arts is a nice piece of beer. I mean, I've, I've, it, it is. I really like their stuff as well. Dive into the Amsterdam one the next time you go. That's a good brewery as well. Um, we have a monster list in front of us today, so we're going to dive right in. No small talk. Uh, just your top 50 pitchers uh, for 2019. So, Robbie, take it away. Number 50, what do you got? Former Cy Young Award winner Rick Porcello of Boston. He is somebody to plug into your lineup, and that's about it. He's not he's not on the upside of his career. A couple years ago, he signed that big contract with Boston. It looked like a real crappy one, and I think for you at home, he is the number 50 guy for me because I'm going to put him in my lineup and forget about him. I'm never going to reach on Porcello. What the hell is that voice? You sound like Mrs. Doubtfire on that one. I was trying to be very calm, and I was also holding my hands um, or inner, intertwined my dingers. I was listening to another podcast today, and I kept hearing this. Oh, man. And I was like, what's your deal, dude? Does, does no one edit this thing? So anyway, now I, I'm, I'm conscious of things when people say, hey, you say this a lot or you do that. Now I'm trying to be more better technically speaking more better <laughs> yeah. the only thing you were missing in that whole miss doe session though was the hello <laughs> well i don't have any whipped cream down here in my recording session. <laughs> so on on my side of the 50 i i have a guy that i'm going to put in the lineup and pray that he doesn't get lit up um and that is sunny gray because i am not a sunny gray fan but uh sunny gray takes a couple counting stats uh, and I think that's where his value is going to be. He's going to have some ugly wins, probably give you some quality starts and have some, you know, strikeouts built in there. So for me, Sonny Gray is a, is a nice option if you need him. But um, if you don't need the strikeouts or the wins, you need to go elsewhere. But uh, that's my 50. And I have Gray ranked at 32. So we'll uh, just touch on that when we get there. But 
for me, I see a little bit more upside in them. And I think that might just be more of the fact that I, I just have owned them too many times. So a couple of guys that I never seem to own and I bunch them together are uh, um, Chris Archer and uh, Jay Happ. I see both guys as high K guys or they're to me identical. Archer is going to blow up your ERA. He's going to have a rough time with whip and uh, Happ, who you'd mentioned before is just like kind of a pillar of consistency. I just see him kind of riding out into the sunset with New York and doing good things as a Yankee on a powerhouse team. The park's not great for him, but because he has become a better strikeout pitcher, I see that upside. So I've kind of tied them at 49. Yeah, no. And, and on my side, I've got uh, Tanaka, which for me is a tough one. I, I'm, I loved Tanaka's stuff when he came into the league, but he's just not the same guy he was injury-wise. Um, you know, after the avoiding the surgery, I think he'd be way further ahead coming into this season if he would have just went under the knife uh, and be in full full bounce back mode here for 2019. But uh, they went the other route, and obviously he pitched through it. And you know, he's still a pretty respectable pitcher, but uh, I just can't rank him too much higher because there's there's just the stuff's not quite as pure as it once was. Yeah, I'm with you. I've never been a Tanaka owner for the most part. I, I honestly don't think in any dynasty format that I have owned the man. Um, somebody that I have owned a lot of and will continue to is my boy Reynaldo Lopez of the White Sox, the former top prospect with the Nationals who came over and seemed like things were going really well for him last year, but he turned it around the second half. He was part of a crew that helped me make it to two finals um uh with rosters for him or as him as a starting guy in my roster um in both a points format and an eight by eight categories he's not somebody who i see with a 250 career or sorry 250 strikeout year on the horizon but i do see him getting better as he is his pre-peak as well the team around him in chicago is going to get better 2019 might not be the best example but when we see 2020 and beyond that's when I can really start to see the true value and he will no longer be a deal like he will be for you right now if you can pick him up as an SP2. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I, I see it too. Um, you know, for me, I, I've got a lot of love for for Ronaldo Lopez. I've got him much, much lower uh, in, a, in a previous episode of, of our depth pitching. But, um, you know, for me, I, I think he's got all the upside in the world. He just, it's a, it's a risk still. I think he's one year away from being a must-own uh, early in drafts, I mean, if you're in a deeper league, obviously you're going to own these guys inside the top 50. But, um, you know, I think a year from now, Ronaldo Lopez is going to be a guy that you are going to be pissed you didn't take this year. So do it now. Um, my guy on the other side is a guy that um, I love everything I've seen when he's going. I just haven't seen it enough to move him up the rankings, and that's Eduardo Rodriguez in Boston. I mean, we've talked about this before, Rob. Um, if he pitches the way he did in the, in the world series, he's a, he's a top 15 pitcher, but, uh, he hasn't been able to piece that together for long enough for us to get a real feel that that's the real deal. Um, but if it is, there's some high quality innings heading our way this season. And, uh, I expect him to move up this board throughout the year. Yeah, I've got him at 27 right now. And this is where we start to see a lot of differences in, um, where we're ranking players, but at the same time, the heart of the, the matter is similar where we both believe in him. I look at Rodriguez. I see a powerhouse team today, tomorrow and beyond with Boston. If he's able to stick there, hard throwing lefty, he just needs health to be on his side. And I don't know exactly what guys can do in the off season to train. You hear about guys who add weight, add muscle, do this, do that. Everybody seems to get hurt at some point in time. But for him, if he can just avoid that injury bug, he should be 
a late SP1 if you're in a big league, a definite SP2. And I might be jumping the gun a year on it, but I don't think I'm far off, similar to uh, Lopez, where I do have them ranked a little bit higher. Absolutely. And then, uh, you know, for me, uh, I'm looking at, at Zach Granke, who, um, you know, no questions about the caliber here. Um, he's been doing it well for a long time. Kind of one of those guys that you just give him a couple a stat line and he puts it up on the board every year. Right. So, um, you know, for me, I, I, I like him. I just, I'm not, I'm staying away from Granky in a lot just cause he's getting into that twilight of his career, uh, scenario. And as a result, um, you know, I've, I've got him a little further down. Well, I mean, I'm looking at his spring training stats tie and he has, not allowed an earned run in two games. He has nine strikeouts. Sorry, he has he has four strikeouts in four innings. So he's at a uh, one one per inning kill it. But he's just been dominant so for so damn long. He broke in in two thousand and four. That's he's old. Like he's only thirty four. But he like some of these guys. I forget who it was in the last episode. We talked about coming in um, when they were twenty and they oh it was uh, uh, Julio Tehran. And, like, yeah, you just don't understand. But, I mean, last year, 207 innings the year before, 202. The year before that, he had an injury and 158. But before that, it was 200, 200 plus. Like, the guy is going to pitch. I don't think it's going to fall off a cliff with him in the next three years. So I can see him just continuing to get out there. But he's a high K guy. He's not necessarily a K per inning type, but he's damn close. And that's last year, 207 innings, 199 Ks. And his ERA on a fairly crappy team um, was exactly the same as it was on a playoff contending team the year before at 3.21. So his career at 3.39, I think if he if we could get the career numbers from him right now spread over the next three years, you got yourself a top 15 SP. And that's why we have a big difference in him. I've got him at 13, you've got him at 47. Yeah, no, and, and I get it. I mean, I'm not trying to say he's not a stud, right? Like that's that's not the argument for me. The argument for me is is really simple. Um, you know, he's, he's going to start to slow down at some point. Um, and I adjusted my list to, to recognize that a little bit. And there's a couple more I have further down my list. Um, but the, my next guy is not one of those guys. I've got Fulton Awebis out of, uh, Atlanta, uh, flamethrower had a great season last year. And a lot of people didn't really notice did tail off towards the end. Um, but you see this with a lot of kids as they add to their pitch count uh, or inning count, I should say. And so ultimately, Fulty's a guy that for me, I've got 46, but I could see a big jump this year. Uh, I just, the peripheral stuff isn't quite elite outside of his fastball for him to be a guaranteed lock higher than this. But I, I, I love the fastball. The other stuff's good enough. Um, it's just not a lock to give you a top 20 every season. Uh, but he could give you top 20 in any given season, I guess is maybe a good way to say that. Definitely. I've got him. Again, this is another guy I've got ranked uh, 24 for me. And it's the Ks. I, I see the Ks and the fact that he's going to be on a really dominant team. I don't see him as one of the guys that can get pushed out of that Atlanta rotation. There will be some kind of a trade. Something's going to happen if they need it to get over the hump. But for me, I see Fulte as a much better dude. At 47 for me, I'm going back a bit. And I am taking a chance on this one that somebody Ty didn't have on his list at all. And that's Mr. Luke Weaver of the now Arizona Diamondbacks. And he came over in a trade from St. Louis. He had a really good 2017 and then came in full-fledged 2018, and it did not go well. 
But at the same time, this is one of those pedigree pitchers. And as we get up further in this list, you're going to see more and more pedigree pitchers that have stuck it through. I can see Weaver being a guy that can jump up for me from the mid 40s into the high 30s this year if he can play a little bit better. And then after that, I have a somewhat surprising guy coming out of Milwaukee who currently isn't set to be in their rotation. And that is Mr. Burns. Yeah, I, I like him to sneak into the rotation too. I just I don't know that I have him that high ranked um, for for partly that reason, and I just also think the ceiling's a little bit lower on on Mr. Burns. I I'm just looking at my own my own standpoint here. I I see he came in last year dominant, 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 um, but it was more so bullpen, and there were wins, of course. But I I can see a a lot of things in Milwaukee changing from their rotation standpoint this year. I don't know if they're going to, you know, they've moved uh, Mike Moustakas to second base. I don't know if Keston Hara becomes an outfielder now or if uh, Hara maybe is a trade piece for them to get some sort of an ace. But I can see a way in which very early in the year Burns is in uh, the rotation and he sticks throughout the whole year. So somebody that I have at 45 would be almost a polar opposite, not a breaking guy, a hang on guy. And that is old man, Johnny Lester of those uh, Chicago Cubs and Lester, even last year was fine. 32 starts, 3.32 ERA, 18 and six, but it's, it's the numbers that you really want in deep leagues, the strikeouts from 180 innings. You only got 150 Ks from him. His whip was 1.3. So things aren't going in a good way for him. His career numbers are all better. His whip career is almost a full point lower. So he's somebody who's definitely going the other way on you. And, I mean, we're not talking about a young man. He's, he's 30. This will be his age 35 year. Same thing as Granky, but you don't see that decline in Granky. So for me, that's where I guess that switch might be between the two guys. And it should be a better scenario for him this year in Chicago, but I don't see the stats being any better. Yeah, no, and and that's fair. I mean, I, I agree totally. And and you know, not being able to hold guys on at first definitely hurts his ERA uh, over over a season as well. But in in the same spot on my side, I've got um, you know a big lefty and David Price. Uh, love David Price for a lot of reasons. I I just I don't love him as a dynasty guy right now because he's really a two pitch pitcher. Um, you know, fastball cutter gets away with it with some very mediocre stuff outside of that. Um, he's got elite backdoor cutter ability, right? Like he throws that cutter on the back edge better than anybody in baseball. No questions. Um, does a nice job of mixing it with the fastball and the odd changeup. But, um, you know, for me, as he gets a little bit older, uh, that body should break down with the big long lankiness to it. And then beyond that, um, the velocity, if it comes down, it makes it a lot harder to get away with the, the cutter fastball changeup model that he's pretty much built his whole career around. Well, I do have price ranked a lot higher. I, I guess I have more faith in certain old men because I have in the same kind of category. Um, I've got price with Baumgartner in the, the low 20s, which I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but um, those are a couple of guys who I think have been in and around baseball for a heck of a long time and just seem to, I don't want to say get forgotten, but get passed over. And when I'm just looking straight at numbers, Price was back last year. And that's a guy that I want to hang on to for a couple of years. He's, he's in a, or sorry, not in a good park, but he's with a really good team. And he's only hopefully going to play a third of his games in Boston. I think last year they were trying to line him up with certain parks that may or may not have suited him a little bit. 
but I know he's one of those guys who you just throw out there every fifth day. He's going to get those 200 innings if he's healthy. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not against him. Another guy that I think, and I remember hearing this, um, that apparently he wants to play until he's 45, which is my number 44 ranked player, Cole Hamels, another cubby who came over from Texas last year. And, uh, what was it? Who they, who did they ditch? Um, back to back yeah, to texas uh, so smiley drew smiley they basically like gave him because of the amount of money in in cole's um extension they they had to cut some salary i think to get under the cap so they gave drew smiley right. away which could totally come back to bite them but who knows smiley hasn't pitched in two years now so uh but last year on an on a subpar texas team and then on a underachieving chicago cub team Hamels was nine and 12 ERA just under three, eight started 32 games, 190 pitches or sorry, 190 innings, 188 K. So that's just about uh, one per inning and his whip is 1.26. So for me, that's right about the cutoff point. That's where I want to be with him. Again, he's one of those guys who's entering his age 35 season. He's six, four, 200 pounds. You know, I, I can just see him being somebody I, I'm happy to have as an SP two and stick him around for a couple years. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, uh, across the board, I, I've got Lester there, who we've talked about already. Um, you know, he he's one of those guys that, um, you know, no questions asked, um, is going to give you some baseline numbers and maybe maybe nothing more. Um, and that's okay. I mean, that's what we're expecting from him. Uh, moving ahead into the 43, I've got Robbie Ray, who um, is a bit of a wild card guy out in Arizona. The stuff is is pretty okay, uh, but well above average. Uh, velocity is pretty solid and a bit of a unique delivery uh, to to mix it up just a touch but uh, there's just some inconsistencies there for me uh, I'm not ready to hang my hat on him the kind of the same way I would say he's a, a a better version of Godley who we talked about in the last episode both on Arizona um, good upside just not enough consistency for me to to go to bat for any of those guys um and that's that's really what it comes down to for me with with ray yeah i think in a redraft league you kind of want to stick steer clear of him until you hit your sp4 in a smaller league but if you're talking dynasty for me you may as well jump on him i've got him up at 28 which is going to seem like a bit of a stretch but i just look at the k's and some of the other county numbers and i i think this is a guy that i can work with if i pitch or sorry if i pick other pitchers who are going to compliment him it's kind of like the joey gallo thing where Gallo's going to hit a ton of bombs, but he's going to crush your average. Well, how do you rebound your average? You need more pieces that are going to have a higher average that are going to help you. But if you're in an OPS league, Gallo's helping you there too. So he's really only going to hurt you in a couple areas. With Robbie Ray, he may only hurt you in ERA. His walks aren't great, but he's also not, you know, sporting a 1.5 whip. So I've, I've got a little bit more faith in him. He's also not an old man and Arizona has the potential for a park at least to help him out even though last year everybody was talking about how this could be such a big thing for him um everybody in arizona was going to be some sort of a great pitcher because the humidor that went in well ray just didn't have a good year well i mean keep in mind too like ray ray's still a sub four era he got 123 innings last year um you know and his his opponent batting average was 216 uh you know so in a bad year he was still pretty good Right. So keep that in mind. On a bad team. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, I mean, there's still room for improvement here, but just, you know, what we're talking about is more or less like there's just flags here in terms of don't overspend. Um, And we've mentioned this in in other episodes, like 
put a number on them. This is where you want to target them. Um, and only adjust that number if you need a pitcher. Um, that should be the only time you're drafting Robbie Ray ahead of your scheduled uh, timeline. So, yeah. um, you know, that's that's keep that in mind. It's a good way to build your team. And these are the kind of guys that you want to build it around uh, in terms of can I get them when I need them? Definitely agree. He's Yeah, he's certainly somebody who if I got an offer for him in trade, um, I would need to think, oh, good, because that guy wasn't a big part of my team and Ray could be. I'm not going to trade somebody who I think is roughly of equal value. So my 43, we've talked we've talked about him before. We did this on the Patreon show. So if you if you want to know a lot more about Alex Reyes, check us out check us out over at uh, at Patreon. Um, but I see Reyes as my 43. He's got at least, if we're healthy here, he's got 10 years of value. That means he's going to be an above average major league pitcher. So I see no reason why you wouldn't jump all over him. It doesn't matter if he's rookie eligible or not. Um, he's right at that limit. This is not going to be the year that you are excited to own him. 2020, 2021 and beyond, you will be so happy he is on your roster because this is a thoroughbred who needs to slowly get back up to speed. And for me, having him at 43 is exactly where I want to see him. And hopefully at this ranking, I'll be able to steal him in a lot of different formats. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, we're, I'm going to talk about him. I have him a touch higher uh, for the same reasons. I mean, you know, I have him at 32, but, um, you know, a hell of a pitcher. The the thing, and you said it best, he's a thoroughbred. He needs a couple of years here uh, to get his inning count back up to a respectable number. But um, stuff's there, quality's there. It's just a matter of whether he can stay healthy or not. So um, that's that's where I've got him on, on my side at 42. Uh, I've got Fulmer out of Detroit, who, quite frankly, is going to be one of those guys that gets buried in his career because he's on a bad team. And so the best thing that could ever happen to him is he gets traded. And that's a bit of a stretch at this point. So we'll see um, what happens with Fulmer. But uh, you can expect a sub-4 ERA with some good strikeout numbers and and, uh, and the quality starts to boot. So, um, you know, I'm, I, I think he he's a nice value guy because I think a lot of people have started to, um, you know, kind of regress their valuation on him uh, just based on the team around him instead of the pitcher itself. So. Um, you know, I, I think you can get some value out of him, getting him a little later than maybe he would have went a year ago. My half on him is real short and sweet. I've got him in one league. I would love to trade him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I don't have him in my top 75. I, I'm just not in on Fulmer. And this, this is the, my, my guy at 42 is Andrew Heaney, somebody who I don't think you had ranked. I don't have him written down. Um, well, no, you, I'm going to save him for the captain of Team Glass episode. Perfect. Okay. Uh, last year he came in, he had a 4.15 ERA, which is not blowing you away, but he started so strong and then started to have these weird months with a really good ERA, a really high ERA. Anyway, finished the year 9-10 and 10 with 30 starts, 180 innings pitched, 180 strikeouts, and a 1.2 whip. I'm down with it. He's not in my top 10. He's not somebody I'm telling everybody to go out and get. But I think that I effectively stole him in a league, which we were talking about um, the first time we, we recorded this episode <laughs> when I had just got him in trade. And it was uh, Heaney and Austin Meadows. And I gave up. Um, was it? Uh, that wasn't the McCutcheon trade. That was uh, whatever it was. Uh, oh, it was Shelby Miller. And doesn't matter who. But it was a steal of a deal for me. I was so happy with it. And Heaney was a guy that I thought, you know what, even if he's only 150 inning a year guy, he's going to put up enough numbers for me in counting that I'm happy with it. And even in a points format, 
because when you get guys like this who get the K's and they're on, like we want to call the angels a 500 plus team, not a, a 70 win team. They're just going to help you across the board. So, well, I mean, the only thing I would say this, this neck of the woods is like, you know, you could take a guy like Jordan Zimmerman much later and get the same value of both of the guys we're talking about. Like Heaney might have a little bit more upside than the rest, but it's kind of countered by the fact that he's the most likely of those three to be injured as well. So, you know, it's just a matter of taking a peek at, at what you think the value prop is for these guys. And, uh, you know, for me, Fulmer's got a bounce back year ahead of him, and Heaney just scares me. So the same reason you're out on Fulmer, I'm not touching Heaney because I just I, – he screams injuries. Yeah, it's totally understandable. I mean, Heaney's not – doesn't have a great track record. And for me, I just look at him and think we're coming into his age 28 year, So we should see some good things here. And I'm in, I, I liked what I saw in the bits last year. I know it was up and down, but it seemed for me like he's the kind of guy, especially if you're in a head to head uh, daily lineups where you could kind of play it by ear and decide if he starts on Tuesday, and he does or doesn't get the Sunday start. Maybe he's your two star pitcher next week. And he's, he's a good guy to plug in for it. I don't see him ruining your season like that son of a bitch Tyler Skaggs did to me last year in the finals but that's why he's not on my top 75 do you do you know who Heaney is though he's an older version of Alex Reyes yeah you think just never gets it together yeah. Yeah, I'm looking at the stat line it doesn't we'll see well uh, maybe yeah we'll see where Reyes is Reyes is going to hit what is age 24 age 25 year so we'll see in three years yeah. what the stat line looks like for Reyes it be similar. that's right so so moving ahead I've got Zach Wheeler coming in here and you know, we've said we did said this. You alluded to the episode we recorded previously. Um, microphone wasn't plugged in. Super awesome. Uh, here we are on take two. But um, you know, Zach Wheeler is a guy that, for all intents and purposes, could fall into the same category we just mentioned with Heaney. And on the flip side, he could make a run at Cy Young. So um, maybe, or not maybe, the most polarizing pitcher in in fantasy baseball for 2019 is Zach Wheeler. So. Draft him with caution, but uh, it could also win you a league. So uh, don't shy away. If, if you are you need some depth, just don't overspend is the way I would approach it. But I know Robbie feels a little bit differently here. Well, I, I do think that Wheeler is, um, you know, better into that hype. I don't have him a whole lot higher. I mean, I've got him at 38. But I feel like, well, I guess that is higher. But I feel like a lot of people are, are in on him because it took so damn long for him to finally break out, like, he was traded from San Francisco one for one for whoever the heck that old man was. Um, oh my God. Some outfielder that went to San Francisco and uh, did really well. Barry Bonds. No, it wasn't him, but um, somebody, I think in that 2012 or 2000, probably 2014 um, when they were winning world series every other year, but somebody that I have who I would say is almost at, at an equal risk or I should say an equal safeness, but a much older post peak is Jake Arrieta. He's now on a Philly team that is trying to win actively this year. They've got some big bats. They've got some good defense. It should be a good year for Jake. He's not going to be crushing the Ks, but if the ball's going in play, he's got better outfielders. He won't have to worry about Reese Hoskins as his left fielder, who's you know taking the blindfold off every time the bat's been hit, or the ball's been hit. He's going to have him at first base, hopefully scooping some uh, sharp throws from Gene Segura. And uh, they've got, you know, Harper out in the outfield now. So it should be a better system and a better setup for him. And I have at 40 for me is um, Justin Bieber. Uh, sorry, Shane Bieber. <laughs> and Bieber is just a you know, Freudian slip of the tongue. I, my restaurant was lo- in Stratford was located oh so close to his um, walk of fame thing that they put right out in front of where he used to busk at the Avon Theater. 
good times for the Biebs. Anywho, um, yeah, Bieber's coming in this year. I think this is age 24 year. He's got a, a legit shot in Cleveland, not just of pitching this year, but establishing himself as a long-term rotation piece with a good team. Right now, everybody's crapping on Cleveland because they haven't replaced enough of what they lost out of the bullpen and elsewhere. But I think they did that last year. They got Brad Hand, so they were okay to see Miller go. Um, cost them a lot, though. Yes, it did. Yeah, yeah, the cost for Miller. But at the same time, I think Cleveland is dealing from a position of, of strength. And I know you have your favorite uh, named prospect in Cleveland. You check, check. Yeah. And catch <laughs> <laughs> you up for that one. But I, I do think that Bieber could be a decent piece long-term. Mike Clevenger came in two years ago and everyone was like, who the hell's this guy? Last year he had, what, 32 starts, something like that. And He's very, very good. Yeah, Clevenger's a guy now. So I can totally see Bieber doing exactly that this year. And that's why he's my number 40. Yeah, absolutely. And that's more than fair. And I, I, I just don't think the stuff's good enough with Bieber. Like, I think he's a back-end rotation guy. Uh, that's really what I would say there. Um, you know, I know some people don't necessarily agree with me on that one. That's fine. Um, but for me, at 40, I, I have the, the gentleman you mentioned earlier with Luke Weaver. Um, I've got him much higher than you do. Um, and, and for me, well, not much higher, just about seven points, but, um, I, I like him to get a little bit of a bounce in, in Arizona, sometimes just a change in scenery for a pitcher that never realizes their potential is, is a good thing here. The stuff's there, um, to at least be kind of a Granky level guy, maybe with a little less strikeouts, but, um, that's I, hall of fame. Granky hall of fame. I don't know about that, but, um, you know, war is like 65 or something crazy. Yeah, but yeah. I, th- I think the strikeout numbers for Granke helped his overall career. I just I don't think the strikeout numbers are going to be as good for Weaver. Uh, he won't be able to get out of as many jams. Um, but I but I like them as a comparable. I just think he lacks that like wipeout pitch that that Granke had. Yeah. Okay. So career WAR for Granke is sixty five point seven. So I think that's like shoe in Hall of Fame territory. But regardless, I, I get what you're saying. I think Weaver is going to be a better pitcher and. Granky will be his teammate, so maybe they can talk if Granky's not feeling socially awkward about it. Uh, on that note, have you seen Granky's hair? You should feel socially awkward about that. No. Oh, he he's getting like I am. Yeah. No, no, no. The other, the other way. He went the oh, other really? way. He went to the Halloween store, grabbed a blonde wig. <laughs> so it, it is. It's wild. Well, what's he make? Like uh, a million bucks a start? I'm sure he could afford a better hair. Yeah, but he's just he's heading down that Hunter Hunter Pence uh, scooter to the ballpark route, <laughs> and so he's <laughs> look how that ended for Pence. So um, just you know, be careful, Mister Mister Granky. You're heading down a dangerous path. Um, moving ahead for me, thirty nine. I've got a guy, and we talked about him earlier uh, in in our last episode. Uh, is Nick Pavetta. And, you know, for me, you, you mentioned it brilliantly. There's always somebody in every pool that likes Pavetta to jump. Um, that's this year for me. I, I like Pavetta this year with the better roster around him. He's not battling any injuries or anything like that coming into camp. Um, so I, I like him to take a step forward this year. And, you know, even if he gets sub four, which I think is very doable, um, especially now that Hoskins isn't playing the outfield, um, that's going to help the defense in Philly, um, you know, that defense actually got pretty good, yeah. to be honest. You had McCutcheon and Harper out there. Um, you know, the infield's pretty sharp with Segura and, and Hernandez. Uh, you know, Franco and Hoskins aren't exactly gold glovers, but 
um, you know, the, the offense will be there. So I think, you know, that's something that a lot of people always kind of underestimate too, right? If you're a pitcher and you're up five, you're going to have a little more swagger um, than if you got two guys on base and you're, you're down one, right? So, um, you know, I think that will help Pavetta this year as well. Yeah, definitely. And on the other side for me at 39, I've got uh, Mikolas, which we talked about in the last episode. So if you want the deets, just make sure you've listened to that one. And then one up from that for me at 38 is Wheeler, who again, we did just discuss, so I won't uh, reiterate. I think Wheeler right now is at his peak. I don't think we're going to see much improvement upon what he did last year, but there's nothing wrong with what he did last year. No, not even a little bit. Just longevity 182 innings for him last year under 3.3 era i think he could potentially get under that era this year um if he continues to to head that direction but we'll see um you know skipping ahead um you know you have um darvish which i have much much higher so why don't you dive in on on darvish uh at 37 sure so as we did mention in the last episode he's currently feeling at his absolute best and i think it was in our we should just call it the deleted episode um yeah in the the chronic the chronicles (laughs) i think i think we went into pretty good depth on darvish because i was looking at you know guys that I just typically, I don't want to say steer clear of, but guys that I just typically don't go after. Sometimes they end up on my team and sometimes they don't. And Darvish is one of the guys who, again, like are just, I feel like I say it every episode, but that's because there's a lot of good players on, on Chicago, on the Cubs, and they did not collectively have great years. Javi Baez, boom, huge breakout year. And everybody else was just kind of okay or injury riddled or something happened. And Darvish was an injury riddled guy. He only gave 40 innings the year before that, when he was with uh, Texas and then got traded to the Dodgers, he was at 186, but that's his what third most in his career. And the year before that was hundred innings and 144. So I don't see a lot of consistency in Darvish's play um, time, but he's a K guy. K guys are good. K guys are of use. You need guys who are not going to blow up. If he's on a good team, I'd, I don't know exactly what they'll do this year. If they if he just started every fifth day, I don't know that they would cap his innings. But going from 40 innings to 180 is going to put a lot of strain on him. So I don't know that that's what he's going to get back up to this year. So I'm a little hesitant. This is his age 32 year. The next year we're going to hit age 33. So 33 should be where we really know what's going on with him or not. But he, he still is over a K per nine guy. He always has been. That's the thing you want about him. He's in a, or with a good team now. So you, you want to hope that he's going to get you 10 to 14 wins safely. That, you know, obviously you want more, but you just want to be realistic with it. But to me, it's quality starts. And I don't know that we're going to get them from him this year because I don't know how long the Cubbies are going to let him pitch into games because they would probably prefer two more starts out of him than they would one more inning 10 times yeah and and i have him a touch higher on my list uh i've got him up at 23 he's been climbing my board in the spring um so i've got him higher than i did two weeks ago you have him seven higher than when we recorded the chronicles that's right so he's been (laughs) he's been jumping um and and ironically i I, i'm expecting a, a pretty good season out of him um you know i think like you said that he's a strikeout guy so you know you kind of take it as it is expect him to give you the strikeouts if he delivers more than one category um you're way ahead of the curve so um you know that's that's kind of what you get there um we did skip over my 38 so i'm gonna jump back here and do chris archer uh in pittsburgh you know he's kind of at his peak uh 
he again would be a really good comparable very different styles but very good comparable to darvish um he's past his prime i think but um you know he's still kind of he should still deliver the strikeout numbers the inning count uh in probably similar quality starts i i think based on the pittsburgh team he should come out ahead in wins versus what he's been dealing with in tampa bay the last couple of years so well it's um, funny that he gets traded from tampa bay the year they're finally good <laughs> yeah. it goes to a pittsburgh team who was good and then finally took a step back not finally but took a step back like unfortunately yeah i i still think pittsburgh's better than people think i mean people are kind of sleeping on pittsburgh a little bit but um pittsburgh just has a really tough division right that's really yeah. what it comes down to for pittsburgh so uh pittsburgh could very well win that division they could also very well finish 30 games behind everybody else. So uh, we'll see how that plays out. But, um, you know, I like Archer to be a leader there. I probably get the nod on opening day. I think, I don't know that they want to give it a tie on yet, but that's, that's who knows that could be uh, definitely Archer's the uh, big name guy there. So that's it. Right. And I think, you know, Tyon could get the nod, but we'll, we'll see. I mean, it depends on how early contract negotiations are going. <laughs> uh, they might, they might stick it to him, but anyway, um, you know, I, I like him to bounce back at 37. I've got the uh, Alex Wood, who we talked about before. I like him a lot for this year and next. Um, I'm I scared big time on him from a um, elbow scenario, uh, but kind of like uh, Chris Sale, just never seems to actually happen. So um, take it for what it is. But uh, that's that's kind of why I got him there. And then uh, you have Glass now a much further down than i do um you know we talked about the glass half empty glass half full um, that's right it was the glass now half empty or the glass now yeah, i have him at 63 i'm gonna stick with it i just i'm not i'm not sold yet because i was talking about how i didn't see the turnaround after the trade it was just that he is no longer and i'll say going this, to be I, I mean i'm definitely half empty on glass now but um, the reason I have him as high as I do is because uh, the pitching coach in Tampa Bay is is an absolute stud. Uh, Jim Hicks, for me, just based on watching that Tampa Bay rotation pick apart the AL East for the last couple of years, um, he's he's for me. He has his pitchers prepared. They have a, they have a different strategy. You know, I watch a lot of baseball games and. Uh, I, I specifically pay attention to what pitchers are doing to our hitters. Um, and for me, uh, the, the Tampa Bay team does something different to uh, the opposing team every single time. They have a really good strategy coming in. That's on the pitching coach. So um, I, I do think they'll have a good plan for Glass now. And I, I don't think he's going to be, you know, Blake Snell good. Um, but I do think that everybody else seems to think he's going to be, and that's kind of the problem this year. I, I he's definitely not going to be this year. I, I think he could show flashes of it for brief moments. Um, I could see him being close the following year potentially because he's got the big arsenal. It's just a matter of whether he can control it or not. And so, uh, that comes down to Jim Hicks and how fast he works. Yeah. And for me, it's, it's more of a wait, wait and see approach. If you already own him in the league good for you i've got him in a couple and that's that's exactly what i'm doing is just wait and see i'm not going to go out and be aggressive on him yet um another guy who i like we, we you had touched on him before kyle Hendricks. not somebody that um you're going to be aggressive on but somebody you definitely want in your rotation somebody who's a perfect sp2 if you're in a smaller league an sp3 he's a good innings eater he does not hurt your era he he does not hurt you in pitching and sometimes when you're in a big league 
not getting hurt by pitching is more important than having the dominant guys. Because if you have a dominant guy, especially when we get up and into him, you're going to find out that an injury can just crush you. Because if you go early on pitching and you have an injury or two, it's a lot harder to make that up. But if you are right in this meat packing area that we are in <laughs> here in the, the 50, 50 to 20 zone, you're going to find a lot of guys that can really help get you through those other injuries. And somebody else that I've got at 35, Charlie Morton, who we had talked about before, could have peaked last year. And I'm hoping, as you just said about Jim Hicks in Tampa Bay, I'm hoping that he's able to continue what he did in Houston in Tampa Bay. I would pick him up for sure. He's older. People are going to you know, let him go back. I've had somebody who had said to me, why don't I have Nathan Eovaldi on this? Um, Eovaldi is just not healthy enough, whereas Charlie Morton can pitch. So Morton can, has, a, has a better track record, although not dominant. And I want Morton, even though he's on, if you want to call Tampa a lesser team, I think he's in a better organization for what he wants to do. Yeah. Yeah, no, and we talked about it earlier on, on mine. He was in my previous episode list. Um, I, I like Morton a lot too. He's just he's just too old to be as high as you have him for me. And that's, you know, a matter of preference, you know, how you're building your team and where they're at. Um, on the other side, a, a guy that in our, our Chronicles episode, um, you know, we found out that Baumgartner was younger than we both thought because yeah. um, he looks like he's father time some days and he's just so melancholy out there, but um, much younger, um, you know, still, still a pretty good pitcher out there. And I don't think he's going to be as dominant as he was. Um, and if he is, I, I'll be pleasantly surprised. Um, but I have him ranked 35 here. I, I think he might fall into the same category Hamels was in. I think if he gets moved to the right situation, which all intents and purposes sounds like he's going to get moved this year. Um, if he does get moved to the right situation, I could see him um, most definitely turning it around. So, um, you know, kind of try to gauge that throughout the season when, if you have them, um, you know, maybe sell them after the trade. If you want them, uh, you know, try to grab them before he gets moved. To me, Baumgartner is just Justin Verlander 2.0. I think, he's been in the league so long that we we've just taken for granted the fact that he was so dominant. And we think like, Oh, that was years ago. This will be his age 29 season. So if we are talking statistically, we are from age 27 to 31 at peak. So that means we still have three years of peak Baumgartner, which we did not get last year, but last year Baumgartner still was uh, ERA three twenty six, which actually increased his career ERA. He started 21 games, only had 130 innings because it wasn't his best year, but he still had 109. Uh, yes, it was. It was actually coming off the ATV that gave him the injury because he fell off, and these are the jokes I love. Um, his whip was also 1.24, which is under 1.25, so I'm cool with that. And his career numbers for percentage-wise for strikeouts or case per nine, everything was or is better career-wise. And because he didn't pitch a full season, I'm going to give him the credit of the rest of the year. He would have made everything up. So it would all be fine. And yeah, like it'd be great if he got traded to a Milwaukee or I don't know, whoever is going to compete this year out of the NL or sorry, the AL West. Um, you know, if for some reason uh, the angels are going to compete, like they've got pieces now that they can trade. And that would be great because you just want to see him on a competitive team again. So Baumgartner is a guy that I'm hoping gets traded and wherever he ends up, those career numbers can maybe return to the norm. And that will be a great thing for the next three plus years in fantasy. Absolutely. And for me, the next spot up, I, I've got Cole Hamels. So, you know, very identical conversation. Um, 
I, I do expect this time next year him to slide down this list, but um, I, I think there's going to be enough value this year uh, to justify owning him at, at this point. Um, you know, you can argue up or down here for Hamels, uh, but I, I like him there just because uh, the age is definitely a factor, but he's entering Tom Brady territory of, of playing till he's dead. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, anywho, at 34, I've got Tanaka, who you had previously discussed. And then at 33, I've got the first guy who's on that, like, potential boom bust in Luis Castillo in Cincinnati. So Castillo came in in 17, took the world by storm. But you know what? So did his teammate Amir Garrett for a period of time. And then Garrett just fell off a cliff. Well, Castillo waited until last year to fall off that cliff. But after the, I think it was after the All-Star break, he got it back and had a sub three ERA. I think the guy is honed in right now. I am going out on a limb to say that he is somebody who I want as a late SP1 and if I can get him there, I'm all over it. Depending on his acquisition cost in big leagues, like in a big dynasty, especially a salary league, depending on when you started that league, he could still be rough, um, r- running off of a rookie contract or he could be incredibly expensive because depending on when your league started as a 26-year-old right now, he could be a 15-plus million-dollar player if the guy got him and you're in a salary league. So. It might be hard to get him on your roster, but he's somebody who I would definitely go for. Yeah, no, and I, and I can completely appreciate that. I've got him a touch higher. Uh, his stuff is he's kind of like he's another guy we keep throwing Alex Reyes around, um, you know. And ironically, uh, I've got Alex Reyes coming up here um, on my side of the board, but you know, very similar high quality stuff. Um, no questions that he's going to you know be dominant at some level. Um, Castillo is a little less, you know, prone to being accurate. Um, as opposed to the injury problems that that Reyes has, but the stuff's actually surprisingly similar uh, between Reyes and, and Castillo, which is where I was going with that. But um, you know, like Castillo a lot, the team's going to be better this year, so you know the peripheral wins and, and confidence should be there. But um, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see where he plays out. Um, so moving across for me on 33, uh, I've got Marcus Stroman who everyone's moving down their list. I still like Stroman as a consistency guy. I think he had some bad luck with an injury. The defense is significantly better in Toronto this year, which for a guy that leads the league in ground ball rate, Marcus Stroman is absolutely vital. Um, you know, it was a mixed bag of infielders, including Yverna Salarte playing shortstop at some points last year in Toronto. And that's just not acceptable. Well, Russ Martin did too. So. Yeah, so, you know, definitely expect a jump from Stroman this year on the ERA side. Uh, the strikeouts should be similar. Wins should be slightly better, and quality starts should be pretty accurate as well. But, um, you know, we've said it on a lot of episodes. Um, given health is there, I expect Toronto to be better, and Stroman's going to be a part of that. Prior to last year, I totally agree with you. I feel like if Toronto can uh, get rid of him at some point this year, they're going to. He's become a villain amongst the fan base thanks to the fine work of uh, Sportsnet Radio and their other distribution centers for baseball content. So I think the tide is turning in Toronto against him, and he's not an old guy. He loves to compete, but he mentioned or made some comments earlier in the spring about, you know, they've never come to me with an extension, and I don't want to play on a team that's not being competitive or trying to be competitive. There are no veterans here. And I think that the fact that we're just talking about it like it's old news is because – in our market, we get inundated with it, and it's something that's made him out to be a 
bad um, personality, but his his numbers are not bad. I, I don't have him this high. I've got him in the 60s, mid low low 60s, and I can see him as your SP3 for exactly the same reasons you just said, Ty. He's not a big K guy, but you get him in front of a good defense or get him into a better park. Like Roger Center's not a good pitcher's park, and he's done perfectly fine there. So if he gets treated, all the better. Well, and the other thing too for me, there's two two big things I like about Stroman this year. One, I think not having uh, Russell Martin catch him, I think will open up his repertoire again. Um, and then the second part is, you know, uh, on in line with what you were talking about, I expect him to be motivated uh, to get traded at some level, whether that's the way it ends or not. I, I don't know that that's necessarily a guaranteed lock, but I certainly think he's going to be playing with an even bigger chip on his shoulder, which I don't know where he's going to put it because that's a pretty big chip he's already got going. <laughs> yeah. I've heard from some other people, <clears throat> Ronnie, that uh, the whole height doesn't measure heart thing is his big Achilles because it's putting himself in front of the team but I think that's something that happened way back when he got injured and everything was kind of going wrong for him on a team that became an upstart Blue Jay team and then everything happened right where you know Price was acquired Tulo came in uh, all these crafty vets relievers everything kind of came together and then he came back and was the best pitcher on that team I think he went 4-0 in September and then rocked it out in the playoffs Everything was really good, but a lot of people just seem to think he's a selfish player. I think in baseball, being selfish is is fine, but I don't think that's who he is. I think he's a guy who says, you know what, I'm pissed off about this, and people aren't liking it. So if they devalue him, cool. <laughs> like, I'm all for it. I'm, I'm devaluing him because I think in in different league formats, he's going to be easy to get because he's not a big K guy. But as we talked about before, you do need pitchers to fill innings just like actual, excuse me, actual baseball. You need guys who are going to pitch so that they can do good things for you. And a pitcher like Stroman's not going to blow up eight times a year. No, absolutely. So, you know, I, I like Stroman a lot. I think he's going to be a little bit better on the strikeout side than he was last year. So I, I just think there's there's a buy low opportunity here for Stroman. So if you're in anything that, that has him as a free agent or if you're in startup mode with, with Stroman, you need to, to try and get your hands on him. Um, just even if it's about prospect equity. Um, you know, or, or player equity and you want to make a move with them later. So um, jumping ahead, we've already been on Reyes on my side. So uh, 32, who's your guy? I've got Sunny Gray and you don't like that. And that's fine. Not even a little bit, way too high. <laughs> I just believe more in Sunny. I'm a positive person. Um, and I think that after this year, if he's a free agent or when he's a free agent, he might be able to find the right park for himself if Cincinnati is not it, but he's still a decent K guy. He seemed to be the injury prone or sorry, not injury prone, but the coming back from an injury being slow guy. And then he went to New York and, and pitched incredibly poorly at Yankee stadium. And that's fine. Cause he's gone from there. So I'm also gone from that part of the conversation. So I've got John Gray, Kyle Freeland and Jeray Marquez Marquez and Freeland are this high because of their ballpark and gray would be here no matter what he has so many tools but for whatever reason, he just can't seem to put it all together. There are some great individual starts for him, but he was not a very dominant pitcher last year. He got demoted to AAA. His ERA, but call it a career worst from his rookie season. It was 512. His rookie season was 553. But he had 31 games started last year, 172 innings. So even with the demotion, he had career highs. But he also gave up 180 hits, 98 earned runs, which is huge. And this is on a, a really good Colorado team. 
So I don't know that he's a trade chip for them, but I definitely think there could be some trouble down the road if he doesn't come back strong this year. But he's got so many tools. He's got the ability to just K the crap out of people. So even when he was poor last year, he still had 183 strikeouts in 172 innings. So to quickly touch on, on uh, Freeland and Marquez, who I believe you may have them both ranked higher. Yes. Um, yeah. I, don't Freeland, ha- I don't have Marquez, but I have the other two. Okay. Freeland for me is like the perfect Colorado pitcher. And this is what they're trying to do now is they're trying to get guys who know how to pitch in that element. Now he, a rare exception, of course, he was a top talent. They were able to draft um, from Colorado and Marquez is somebody who came in last year and surprised the crap out of a lot of people. He is a K guy. He's just a, a damn good pitcher. And he, he was one of those guys who was like the seventh guy on the depth chart, but ended up earning his way in. And now he should start this year. Probably. Um, should be opening day starter for them yeah and i mean on my side um you know i'm going to touch on my colorado guys later so i'll jump into when i get my big jumpers for this year um out of chicago as carlos rodan who you touched on a little bit earlier um you know carlos rodan at the end of um i think it was the end of august had a sub three era and uh you know kind of ran out of gas down the stretch as he was trying to build his inning count back up but um you know, for me, I, I like Rodon a lot. The stuff is there. I watched him pitch against Toronto in September last year. It was very, very good. Um, you know, I'm expecting him to take a huge leap forward this year. And I, I think he's a guy that you can buy for pennies on the dollar what he's worth uh, because he had a couple of years where he had some injury gaps um, and, and ultimately just a rough start to his career. Because uh, the pedigree's there. I think he was a one-two, if I recall correctly, um, it, when he was drafted by the White Sox. So, uh, you know, moving ahead uh, is a guy that is a softer throwing version of Rodon and, you know, definitely had some rough luck last year in terms of bat bip and, you know, definitely some of the peripheral stats say that he was much, much better than, than he actually showcased, and that's Dallas Keuchel. Um, I think regardless of whether he resigns in Houston or ends up somewhere else, uh, I expect a big bounce back year for him, uh, assuming that he does end up signing and playing somewhere. So um, the days go by where the contract length is going to shorten. Um, and at some point the AV is coming down too. So um, he is in Mike Mustaka's free for all territory right now. Yeah. And I, I mean, I touched on him in the last episode. He's just a guy that, that scares me because now I don't know what's going to happen beyond this year, assuming he pitches this year and how well he's going to pitch. So for me, he's just dropped way down on the charts. Um, this is just the guy that's trying to get his money though. I, I don't think this has to do with what the baseball player is here. Like he turned down a ridiculous extension from the Astros. So, you know, I think this is a, this is a situation of, of a guy and an agent that just think they're worth the sky um, and people are terrified of his velocity coming off, and they should be. Yeah, absolutely, because he's a ground ball pitcher, and and like he, he maybe one of the big problems for him is that he won a Cy Young, so that's on the resume, and mm-hmm. you know pay pay him his money. But I'm just not there with it. Your your number twenty nine guy, I like I like him. Yeah, no, and and that's Patrick Corbin. Um, I, I I like him. I've been in on Patrick Corbin for a very long time. I picked him uh, in his breakout year in in sixteen. And so, you know, I, I like him um, for a lot of reasons. The thing that scares me is the, the, the number of pitches, um, you know, that he, that he truly operates with are not very 
very significant. I mean, he's really a two pitch pitcher in most, most games, um, two very good pitches, but, uh, you know, there's, there's definitely some, you know, if he's off with either one of those pitches, uh, that's where you see him give up four five, six runs a game, um, as opposed to the one or two that he, he likes to stick around when, when those two pitches are on. And, and he is on a team this year that should be fairly competitive uh in washington so that that shouldn't hurt him too much he's also not switching leagues although he's switching divisions so one yeah. of his oh sorry go ahead i was just gonna say he he reminds me a little bit of the same comparison i had with uh david price uh just the two pitch right. you know repertoire yep. um the only difference here and the reason i have corbin ahead of price because most people would have it the other way around based on what i just said but the difference for me is is corbin has that wipeout pitch and and price does not so um you know i think that you know, might lead to an increase in walks. So if you're trying to keep your your walks per nine down or your counting stats down, um, Corbin might not be your guy. But if you're good there, then then I would take Corbin over Price here. Fair enough. I do have Price up at 22, so I value him a little bit a little bit more than than you do. But I also have um, where is he? Here? Corbin's at 17 for me. So I mean, he's at his peak, and I think that's fine, and I'm happy to have him and he's going to have good trade value even if I see the dip before others as long as the bottom doesn't fall out. But one of his former teammates who you had touched on before is uh, Robbie Ray in Arizona. I have him at 28. It's a little bit higher than you do, but the, the heart of the issue for me is, is K's and opportunity, and I see him with both. The ERA might be an issue, uh, but as you had mentioned last year, even though it wasn't a full season for him, the ERA wasn't too bad. So hopefully that ballpark adjustment with the humidor is going to level him off. Um, Eduardo Rodriguez is my 27, who we had talked about in the last episode. Uh, I just see him as being a, a good pitcher long-term in Boston. And he's surrounded by some very intelligent pitchers. So hopefully they can have conversations and make things happen. So he's even better. Pardon me. I jump up then to the 2017 breakout on Cleveland, which was, uh, well, maybe... Yeah, I was just going to say, maybe I was off by the year. But he broke in in 17, but broke out in 18 in Mike Clevenger. Now, I think Clevenger is a very good pitcher. He's a late SP1 for me. I don't see what's going to happen with Cleveland long-term with the bats. Like, they need to fill out that lineup or continue to fill it out. We discussed in the outfield um, rankings that they're not set out there, but they've got options. They just need to make a move. And, you know, first base for them could be set up with Bowers. Like, they could be good long-term and I see Mike Clevenger as one of those rotation anchors yeah no I mean he's definitely a rotation anchor I just think unfortunately um I'm I'm just not a Clevenger guy and we'll we'll touch on that a little bit later but uh for me I, we've talked about Luis Castillo already I, I got him here at 26 um it's a Cy Young caliber type pitcher it's just a matter of whether you can put it together uh the stuff is electric um in the in the upper echelon of the whole league on both sides um, so I love him a lot if he can put it together here. Uh, and I think this is the year I, I think if he puts it together, he could find himself even higher than, than 26. So, um, a, re- a guy that you should like a lot. And you said it earlier about Cincinnati, uh, the pitchers there often get forgot about, um, and this guy should not be unnoticed. So, um, spend five minutes, go watch some film and you might feel a little bit differently about, uh, Castillo by the time you're done there. So, uh, 25, I've got Sean Newcomb in Atlanta. I had a great start to last year, uh, and then just kind of fizzed out towards the end. Just a little bit of growing pains, I think, adding his inning count 
Um, nothing to, to be scared of there. Pretty standard for, uh, for a kid. Uh, expect him to take some steps forward again this year. Yeah, and I've got, I've got Newcomb at 51 and uh, touched on him in the last episode right at the end. So make sure you've listened to that one so you can get all of my dynamite stats and things. So you then have Clevenger in at 24, whereas I have Fulty, and you had touched on Fulty before. A lot of people are talking about him being a big bust this year, um, Fulty in Atlanta, and I, I don't see it. I've got Barrios at 25. He was a guy who I thought was a 50-50 pitcher last year. He came on strong but his previous resume was that of like a guy who's just blown up, but then had a decent uh, stretch, which kind of salvaged his career, his, his prospect pedigree. And to me, Fulty is a far safer bet, a big K guy. He is, I guess he's kind of similar to Robbie Ray um, in the sense that they're both K guys. They're both on in parks that I guess Atlanta isn't friendly to pitchers right now when it gets hot in the summer. And Ray has now left that kind of an atmosphere with the humidor. Everything got a little better for him. But I can see Fulte as a good long-term bet for you. Barrios, the same thing. I did trade. People value Barrios heavily right now. So depending on the league you're in, I made a hell of a trade. It was Barrios and Kevin Biggio. And if you're not a big prospect guy, Biggio is somebody who came out of nowhere for the Blue Jays last year. I picked him up off the waiver wire in this league. And I traded those two guys for uh, Chris Davis. Sorry, Chris uh, Bryant. And also a second round pick. So I, I gave this guy my first round pick, which was 24th overall because I had won the 24 man league and he traded me his second round pick, which was pick 25. I think he did not realize that he was only moving one pick back, but he saw first round for, for a second. In addition to this deal, he wanted Barrio so bad and I was so happy to hand him over to him because that really shored up my third base outfield situation. And if that's the way that you can acquire talent, where, whether it's, you know, picking a guy that you're like, I don't see Barrios at 25, you know, I've got him at 40. Well, great. Other people will. So then approach them. See if you can make that deal happen and prove yourself somewhere else. And then 23 for me is Baumgartner, who we talked about already. So we don't need to go into that. Yeah. And I got Darvish on the other side there. So uh, moving quickly into 22, we've talked about David Price already as well. Um, you have him ranked 22nd. I have much, much lower uh, as we touched on, but then we're getting into some interesting guys here. I mean, I've got James Paxton in New York who this one, I struggle with a lot. I'll be honest. I, I like his strikeout numbers. Uh, he's a classic power pitcher. Um, I'm terrified of him in New York as a fantasy owner. Um, I just think it's too easy to take a fastball coming in from the left-hand side and drop the barrel on it and lift it over the right field fence. So um, I think his numbers will be pretty good against righties in New York State or New York, New York Yankee Stadium. Um, so I, I, I like him a lot against righties in Yankee Stadium. I expect his his numbers against lefties um, to really fluctuate this year uh, versus what he saw out out in Seattle. So that's the big red flag for me. Um, if he can deliver against lefties, expect him to have a fan, phenomenal season. But, um, you know, I, I, I am a little terrified of him against the lefties there. I think that that is very valid. I have him at 19, and I have a lot of fears. And to me, he there's, there are a lot of pitchers who I just say, if I get 150 innings, what can I expect? Paxton's a guy who has a super high ceiling for 150 innings, so that's why he is ranked as high as he is for me. And the fact that he has done well um, in Seattle 
it's not a reflection of the ballpark he was in, but I understand what you're saying about the short porch because it's Yankee Stadium and that ate Sonny Gray alive. Now, I am so excited because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mention the 21st player that we both have, and I will, I will say this caveat. The only reason he is at 21 for me is because I'm not sure exactly how much we're going to see of him the next 18 months, but otherwise he would be a top three guy for me. And that is Shohei Otani of the Angels. Yeah, so for those of you that are wondering why that just happened, um, <laughs> Rob, Rob has Shohei Otani underwear and socks and earmuffs. So, you know, there's there's a definite All love affair. Otani, not, not replicas. Yeah. These are the originals from his body. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he is a groupie full tilt on the Shohei Otani train. So, um, you know, there's no questions. You know, we've talked about this in the past and definitely went over in great detail in the Chronicles episode. Um, Which you know, is never going to be heard. <laughs> it's exactly, yeah, it's just buried with some dust on it. And, uh, you know, ultimately, you know, for me, when Otani came over, I, I watched a lot of film because there was so much hype about him. Uh, hated his swing. They fixed that. Uh, yeah. Didn't like his arm slot. They fixed that. So for me, um, you know, Otani has landed in a beautiful spot in LA. They fixed everything that was wrong with him. Um, and, and he's really become a star on both sides of the ball. I, I, the thing that I'm most interested in, and I have a double asterisk beside him on my list because my biggest concern with Otani is they say, you know what, you've turned into a hell of a hitter. We don't want you pitching anymore. That's the thing that scares me uh, with Otani. I'm just I'm unsure that, that that's not the outcome. And for me, I look at the fact that he is on both sides of the ball, and I think – amazing who else is going to be able to offer you that in major league baseball and right now it's michael lorenzen and that's not offering you much that's like a pinch hit guy and maybe he develops into something mckay maybe, mckay eventually well yeah maybe we see hunter green maybe we see brendan mckay maybe we see new guys and that's what i love is guys that can like absolutely change the game so in the one well, i guess I, I in a yahoo league i unfortunately had both otanis last year and because of the stupid rules of the freaking commissioner that he set up, yeah. I was I was unaware that Otani did not lose his rookie eligibility as a pitcher, and I didn't think I needed to protect him. Well, it turns out uh, I did lose him to friend of the show, Glenn. Thanks, Glenn. Absolute really savage it. pick. I yeah. absolutely love it. I have to say, when I saw it, I was like, wait, what? And I thought, well, that's stupid because he's not going to be an impact pitcher for – you know, two more seasons. So Glenn can have him because he's going to end up trading to his brother three times and hopefully I can get him back. <laughs> but regardless, I just think the fact that he's on the other side of the ball. And like you said, Ty, like he's not just a home run hitter when he came in and he was popping dingers right off the hop. Everyone's like, Oh my God, that's great. It's so neat. But it was more like a novelty, like a fun thing, but he's fast. And if this year is going to be about making sure he's got a strong body moving forward, I can still see him getting 400 plus at bats so even though we're talking about pitchers he is a pitcher he's just offering you something that no other pitcher is offering you and if he was throwing this year like i said he would be a top three for me because he's giving you something four days of the week that no other starting pitcher is giving you and that's legit offense it's going to be out of a utility role um i don't think they're ever going to throw him to a position unless like like ty like you said if he if he transitions out of pitching but i just don't see the scenario in which otani 
hurts you at all unless it's a Yahoo format and he has to take up that SP spot this year and, and not play. Absolutely. Yep. And um, I, I completely agree. There's just risk there, but uh, moving ahead. Um, I've got Kyle Freeland at, at 20. Uh, I, there, what's not to love about this kid. He's only the second guy ever to be sub three ERA um, at Colorado. Um, you know, the, the thing for me with him is, and I've said it, I mentioned it in another show, another podcast that I do, it's, uh, he should have had some Cy Young recognition last year and didn't get a sniff. Um, and that's a shame. Uh, so I, I think that, you know, maybe this time next year, uh, he, he probably gets some of the gratitude he deserves. Uh, I'm excited to see what he does this year. Uh, again, and that Colorado team for me is going to be probably the best team in the NL. So I, I'm excited to see that. Lots of love about Kyle Freeland. I, I share it with you. I just don't have him as highly ranked because I know that park can be a true bitch to to pitchers. And yes, he did well last year and, and he pitched that complete game. I just randomly happened to watch it um, where he almost had the no hitter. And uh, yeah, I mean, he, he's great. Like, I just don't know that I can trust him as my lockdown SP1. And with the 20 rank, that's what he is. Whereas I have Jamison Tyon, who you had touched on before. He is my number 20. 19, right? 19 is Paxton for me, who we touched on. Uh, Jack Flaherty on St. Louis is my number 18 guy. Now, had you mentioned Flaherty prior to that? No, Flaherty's coming up. Okay. So Flaherty for me at 18 in St. Louis is a guy who I just think you just want to have him. He's probably going to have a really high acquisition cost regardless of your format. Um redraft or otherwise this year uh, or sorry startup or or otherwise this year um, but he's somebody who's going to be high k with a with a good good team st louis is always competing if they're not they're on they're on the cusp so they're they're never not going to be offering the opportunity to get wins quality starts their bullpen seems to have a lot of things that you really like to see which is uh, potential closers whether they have a legit one or not we don't know yet but uh, with with a Hicks, I think is now going to move into the rotation at least temporary or not rotation, but it move into a starting role at least temporarily. But they still have um, Miller. There's still other options that are out there for them. So I like Flaherty in that. And at 17 for me, I've got Corbin, who you had touched on before. Um, yeah. Yeah, and and for me, I've got Flaherty at 19. Um, like him a lot. I mean, I think they're probably kicking themselves um, in Toronto, not trading. Donaldson to St. Louis last year and they could have had Flaherty. Um, that was a really dumb trade uh, the, to turn down. So, um, you know, ultimately Flaherty, a lot to like. He's not the nine strikeout guy in four innings that we saw the other day in spring training, but um, very, very good pitcher. So uh, I've got Barrios, who you went over. Barrios for me has a, has a really good arsenal. I, I don't think he's used it to the best of his ability yet. And so for me, I've got him much higher than you do. Um, and that's just because I think uh, this year you'll see him take a step forward and, and kind of move into that upper tier of starters uh, where I think he's always just been, uh, but he'll eventually figure it out. And this, this for me is the year uh, he moves ahead. And then I get into JV territory, Justin Verlander down in Houston um what's not to love about this guy i mean he's just been doing it he's an absolute horse uh he does everything you want to see out of out of a front end starter the strikeout numbers are there the quality starts are there the wins are there um you know every checks all the boxes he's just getting old and you know as he gets up in age he comes down the board for me as we've talked about pretty consistently um 
other than that, that's, that's Verlander for me. I have Verlander in my top 10. And I think the big difference between us and evaluating him is I also, well, maybe it's not, but I'm looking at him and thinking if I'm not on the win now team, but I have him, he is such an easy trade to that win now team because everyone's going to say, this is the guy, this is going to put me over the top. He's a legit ace. And I see him still going insanely early. And I don't know if he's got two years of eliteness left in him, if, if it's done now, or if at some point this year, it's going to just tap out. But regardless, he's somebody with a high trade value. He already kind of had that career dip and came back from it. So I want all the Verlander that I can get. And he's not going to fall. But in a dynasty format, that might be the easiest realm to get him in, as long as you're not in a points league. Um, and I, I have him rated much higher. Now, I'm going to say my one guy at 16 that we differ on, and then I want to hear your next couple because it's going to be fun for me to listen. So I've got Kershaw. We don't need to talk about why, you know, the stats and things like that. Kershaw is at 16 in my dynasty rankings simply because I do not know how many more career innings I'm going to see out of him, and I don't know how many years it's going to take for him to produce those. So I, I don't want to have him in my top three, my top five, my top ten. I'm very concerned. Yeah, and, and, I'll, and I'll share my views on that when we get inside the top ten where I have him. Um, I, I have another guy in, in L.A. that falls into that conversation that you just mentioned, though, um, which is Julio Urias, and I have him very high because this is how good he is. And we are, we're talking about dynasty and this is where my list will vary very much from Robbie's a little bit coming down the stretch here. Um, you know, I've got a couple kids up in this tier that are, are very good. And for many reasons have been either forgotten or very undervalued. So Urias is one of those guys we mentioned earlier. He's entering his age 22 season. The stuff's there. He has already been said that he's going to end up in triple a, um, to start the season. Um, and, and ultimately that, that leaves some value on the table for obvious reasons, but we're talking about this kid in a lockdown situation. You want to hold on to him for the, the foreseeable future. So, you know, that's ultimately what we're talking about here with Urias and that's why I have him there. And I love him too. I have him ranked much later, but I have him ranked much later because I feel confident that you can still get him there. And that is at 52 for me. So I've got him wedged between Newcomb and Hill. So those are, that's a good trio right there of guys. I just think the acquisition cost for him, no matter what the format is going to be a little bit lower this year. And this is the final year for it because even if he only puts in 70 innings in MLB, everyone's going to know what's going on with this guy if he's healthy and he will all this he'll be the zach wheeler the whoever jose barrios whatever guy you want to throw out whatever name he will be that guy for 2000 blake snell even he'll be that guy so highly touted that you just won't be able to get him because he's going to cost so damn much so this is the year last year in uh, a startup 30 team points league uh, that i was in a slow auction you had 24 hours between bids before you won the guy and i waited somebody out who bid Urias it was the Dodgers owner and I was waiting on him until the very end and I think he was one of the last five players because we we were bidding back and forth for over two weeks because I waited until the 23rd hour and 55th minute to just bump him up $250,000 and the knuckle I was going against kept putting up more Blue Jays thinking I would just sign like Steve Pierce and 
whoever else he was putting up and he kept getting stuck with guys. So I realized that he was running out of money. So I just waited until he couldn't bid any higher. And then I ended up getting Urias for five years at like 12 million or something silly. And so many people were like, would you guys just end this already? And I said, it'll end anytime. All he has to do is stop because I think I had like 25 million left and the guy was out of money. And I just thought like, it was, it was so funny because to me, I was like, what, a, even though I paid probably 5 million more than I wanted to in this format where I think we had 195 million, I got him and, and like, I wouldn't have got the use out of him last year, but this year I'd be ready to cash in on a, like on an SP two and the acquisition cost would be through the roof right now to try to get him. Cause I've tried in other leagues. I, I just think this is the last year to get him. I, I think if someone else grabs him, he's gone forever. Um, or not forever, whatever you have for contracts, but um, you know, ultimately I think you, you should be owning him this year if you want to have him in the future. That's my opinion. Um, you know, moving over to your guy, you have in the 15th spot, Trevor Bauer, Ugh, public Twitter enemy. Number one, he, I don't even have Bauer on my list. That's a faux pas. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it, I can see it happening because I, I've never been a big Bauer fan, but last year he basically just put up the numbers and he's got this stupid thing where he's only going to sign uh, one year deals for his, the rest of his, you know, professional career. Is that what he's doing? Yeah, it's a it's a bet that he's got with a like friends from I don't know if it's college or high school or childhood, whatever. But basically, somebody gets to sack him if he signs a multi year deal, which is the dumbest thing ever. Like, sign the deal, take the nut shot, and you'll probably have like a hundred and seventy million dollar, you know. And now I feel one hundred percent okay with him not being on my list. Because <laughs> that's the dumbest thing ever. So, uh, but if you do like imagine that he's only going to sign one year deals, the first thing that's going to happen to him is after a bad season or an injury, he's SOL, and then he's going to have to rebuild all that value back. Anyway, he had a great year last year. I don't think it was the best year we could see from him. But if it was, if he is at peak, that's okay. If we can get a couple more years of Trevor Bauer within ten percent of his production last year, I'm down with that. A guy that I have at 14 that so many lists have so much higher than me, and I don't know why, is Blake Snell. Um, Blake Snell had a great year last year, a Cy Young winner. Uh, but like all of, the, all of the outside numbers are not flattering for him. He had 180 innings pitched, 221 Ks. Awesome. His whip, 0.97. Wow. Good job, dude. ERA, 1.89. And... 21 wins to go with just five losses. That's great. Like it is, I'm not, I'm not mocking it. Like those are awesome numbers, but I don't think that they're necessarily repeatable because his, his FIP was 2.95. So over one run higher and the park that he plays in is big, depending on who he's playing against balls can fall into play a lot more. Tampa Bay does not have an elite defense this year. I understand like we like the pitching coach and that things should be good, but we're talking about the numbers from 2018 and I don't think any of them are repeatable with the exception of the strikeouts. If he's healthy, I don't know, but opponent batting average, I don't have it right in front of me, but I think I remember reading 1.71 or something like that. So, um, you know, I think that that is a huge, huge value thing for me when I look at repeat guys, like, if I can see that kind of, you know, return year over year on that, that batting average against, um, you know, I, I'm a little more, you know, inclined to move them up the list. So uh, I have Snell at seven, which is where I think he belongs. But uh, you also got to keep in mind, like we're ranking dynasty side here. So the youth, for sure. youth plays a little bit for me as well. 
Um, yeah, this is his age 26 season. My number seven guy is Verlander, who's got a decade on him. But I'm just looking at Snell, and I'm not seeing the track record, whereas with Verlander, it's the opposite, yeah. right? I see the track record. We're just not sure how much longer. And for you, you're seeing Snell and thinking there's a lot of time left for him to be like the same guy. Yeah, I, I like Snell. Uh, I like him a lot. Um, you know, I, I didn't li- – I will say this. I did not like him a lot two years ago, but then I started to see the, the adjustments they were making with him. Um, and last year they certainly paid off. But, um, you know, the next guy for me on 14 is is Aaron Sanchez, which for a lot of people is a tough one, and I'm going to wait for it. It's a reach, you homer. Yeah, and, and you know what? It's not really a reach. It's just one of those ones that – um, I'm paying a little closer attention than everybody else. So this kid can pitch. Like, there's no questions about it. Um, he throws gas. It's an absolute hammer, as Rob shows the Canada Day Aaron Sanchez bobblehead. And he's got a great <laughs> hook. And the changeup was coming along nicely, um, you know, before the, the blister popped up. Um, so he's the blister prince if Rich Hill is the blister. Uh, if, if Rich Hill is the blister god – then Aaron Sanchez is the blister prince. Whew, why, can't we, why couldn't we just call him Mr. Blister? I feel like that's a lot Ooh. easier. Yeah. Right? That's that another seems... one. Yeah. So anyway, um, you know, Sanchez had the off-season surgery on the index finger, which was the problem. Um, the assumption is that that's going to fix it. Uh, he's been pretty good in the spring so far. Uh, looks pretty good. And uh, I, I expect him – to get up there. I mean, this is a guy that has won an ERA title, right? So it's not like we're grabbing this out of thin air. Um, you know, the, the reality is the strikeout numbers are there. The inning innings will be there with the ground ball uh, percentages that he delivers. Uh, so, you know, you, you have a chance to win Cy Young, win wins, win quality starts, strikeouts, all of that wrapped in. Uh, I don't think they're going to care as much about inning count at this point because um, he is a touch older. Uh, so I think we, we should be able to to get away with that there. So um, jumping into our, our kind of unofficial top tier here um, with a very clear elite tier at the end of it, um, you know, Carlos Carrasco is my 13, uh, unlucky number 13. Uh, and, and he fits that bill because he's always battling the injuries. When he's healthy, no question, this guy's one of the best. Yeah, totally agree. I've got him at 11, just a couple ticks higher. Um, I had mentioned before, I don't know if that was on the uh, never to be heard episode or not, but um, in a Roto league that I am in the first overall pick in, you can have keepers and contracts and whatever. So somewhere in and around the 100, the first overall pick was uh, uh, Albert, Alberto Mondesi. And the second pick was Carlos Carrasco. And I was so upset that somebody would take uh, Mondesi when they're thinking about home runs and strikeouts rather than Carrasco when it's so hard to find elite pitching. They just left it out there. And wh- and whoever it was that like let Carrasco go, I couldn't believe they didn't talk to me. I would have made a deal. <laughs> I would have done something. But regardless, I love him. He like, you know, Cleveland's got a good rotation and that's the strongest point of that team. And I think those guys are going to be able to hold together in a very weak AL Central a lot of wins and Carrasco is going to be able to do it for years to come at 13. I have Granky. We've already discussed it. We've discussed where he is for me. Um, and then at 12 for me is Walker Bueller. Now in dynasty format, a lot of people are going to say that's silly. He should be a lot higher. He had a great year. Yes, he should be. Well, hold on. Hold on. He had a, he had a great <laughs> year last year. Great things are ahead for him, et cetera, et cetera. 
the man is more than likely to blow out his arm and to miss 18 months of regular production. And that's based on me watching innings jumps from different players. We can talk about Sanchez who had it. Um, Urias has not been able to yet make that jump, but other players who have done it have faltered. And I've taken heat for this in other chats and discussion rooms that I'm in because people say, well, that's stupid. You can't just like live your fantasy life in fear of this. And I'm not, I don't think saying he's the 12th best pitcher in dynasty is saying that I'm living in fear. But the guys that I have above him who are, like I would say, considerably older would be like a Kluber, a Verlander, and Scherzer. And if I don't want to say Sale's old, but a Sale as well. Sale's the, the perfect point of comparison. Sale's just never had that injury that's taken him out for a long period of time. But man, his throw looks like it should happen. But I'm concerned that I would pay way too much for Bueller, whether it's in a draft, an auction, or just to acquire him that I don't think I can put him up there yet. Now, if he has another great year this year, sure, we'll talk about it next year because he's going to hop over at least five of the guys in front here. But for me, it's just not worth ranking him any higher. He is an ace. He is a top 13 guy. He's a top 12 guy for me. But in dynasty format, I can't go any higher. There's there's a lot of risk in what could happen to him. Yeah, and I'm going to disagree heavily on that one. I, I like him mechanically a lot. Um, you know, one of the better guys of, of his cut of cloth that I've seen in a while. So, um, you know, I've got him much, much higher. I got him up at six um, and I almost put him at five, if I'm being honest with you. Um, so for me, uh, but Bueller's, Bueller's a stud. Uh, he's a pony for a long time. And, and that's what you're drafting. You're not, you're not necessarily drafting. Is he going to be Max Scherzer? Uh, I think you're more or less drafting. Is he going to be Justin Verlander? Right. So, you know, that's ultimately why I like him as high as I do. And, uh, you know, the strikeout numbers should continue to climb for him. Um, and the win totals will be there as well, assuming L.A. can continue to replenish that roster via free agency or, or refill the, the, uh, the farm system as he continues to develop. Yeah, he should be fine. He should. And at 11 for me, I've got Carrasco. Now we're skipping your, your 12. Yeah, twelve for twelve for me is your one of your other boys, uh, Steven Strasburg, who Mm-mm-mm. he pitches what four out of every five games, and boy does he pitch well. Yeah, he just he just I don't know if they're like making things up to help him skip starts. Um, <laughs> like oh my he he did not shave this morning. He's he's scratched from from his start right. Like well, if he was a Yankee, I could see that happening if he didn't shave. That's true. Yeah. But yeah. Strasburg, I think, falls into the, the new class of pitcher. So like we discussed before, you have the guys who you say, well, what am I going to get if I only get 150 innings from this guy? And for me, if it's Strasburg, he's the best, or the second best, I should say, pitcher if I'm only getting 150 innings from him. And there's one guy that's better than him, and I've got him ranked number five. But behind him, the next guy at 150 innings is James Paxton, who I've got all the way back at 19. Like I believe that Strasburg is going to give you great numbers and you just need to understand that he's not going to make 30 starts in a year. But if you're going to say, well, you know, because of that, you should take somebody, you know, a Strollman or whatever, who's going to get more starts. Well, that's just, you're just talking silly because the numbers aren't going to match up at the end of the year. I think Strasburg is the ninth best starting pitcher. And we could say that that's over the next five years. I'm, I'm very safe to say that there will be people who get up above him who are currently behind him in the standings and there will be, or in the rankings. And there are people who are above him today that are going to fall back. And I think Strasburg the next five years could quite likely stay exactly where he is. Yeah, no, I I don't disagree with that. I mean, for me, 
Strasburg is a phenomenal pitcher, and I think you said it best. I mean, he's going to kind of stay in this 8 to 12 range probably for the, the next five or six years. Um, you know, and, and that's that's a huge, huge value proposition because, uh, you know, there's lots of guys that, that fluctuate from year to year. Um, you know, Thor is a great example, right, uh, who I have at 10 as a guy that has huge high upside, but also was going to probably have some years where he drops down a little bit. And um, Thor's my number five, and he is the only guy who I would say I don't expect 200 innings out of that is going to be better than Strasburg. Yep, absolutely. And so next on my list at 11 is is Klubot, uh, arguably the best pitch in baseball. That slider is filthy. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, he's only got probably another three high caliber years left in the tank. And maybe more than that, but I don't think so. Um, so we'll see. So for him, he, he's just the guy that usually starts slow and finishes strong. He's usually always in the Cy Young conversation by season's end, and he was not even in it at the beginning of July. So, um, you know, keep an eye on, on a buy low proposition for Kluber early on uh, as a value prop for, for him. Yeah, and I've got Kluber at, at 10 for me. And as I had said, um, Strasburg at 9. And, uh, yeah, my, I mean, on my side, I've got uh, Kershaw over at nine and, you know, much higher than you have him at 16. But, you know, for me, I look at Kershaw in one simple way. He's the best pitcher in baseball. There's no questions. I, I don't know how anyone can argue it. Um, you know, Scherzer obviously gets the nod being the guy that actually goes out and year after year, throws all the innings, has the big K numbers. Um, but I think most people would say Kershaw is better. It just obviously the injuries have have plagued him a lot more than than Scherzer had. So um, the reason I have Kershaw higher is because even 150 innings, 130 innings like he threw last year for Kershaw, uh, he's still a top 25 pitcher without even trying. Definitely, yeah. And and if you went per start, like it's a different it's a different setup. But we're you know when you're looking at, I'm just I'm just terrified that we're never going to see 150 innings from Kershaw again. But but that's the thing though, right? Like if you're looking at it from a per per start scenario, right? Like it's a category league. It's a week by week, right? Like if you're in a roto, these conversations matter a lot more. But if you're in a category, it's all about winning the right weeks. And so give me Kershaw when it matters over a guy like uh, who's you know over a Strasburg for me that you know think might give you 180 innings or 200 innings. But the difference is that I'm just not sure that I'm going to get those innings from Kershaw when I need them. It could just be random at different points in the year. And depending, like you said, if LA is a good team, if they're still competing, we're going to find ourselves with Kershaw sitting out when we get into our playoffs and then getting LA ready for their actual playoffs. And I think that could be a bit of an issue. I understand like anybody could rank him in the top five. I'd get that too. For me, I've just, I'm taking a step back because I'm concerned. And I, as I had mentioned before, um, my number eight guy is Garrett Cole. And I had somebody offer me a trade that was my Garrett Cole and some scrub, whatever for, uh, their Grant Levine, Colorado first base prospect, uh, Kershaw and their first round pick. And I, I rejected that sucker so damn fast because I just do not want anything from Kershaw right now because I do not see what I'm going to get from him long-term. He's going to need to come back and and pitch 180 innings for two years before I think I'm comfortable with him again. And by that point in time, it's not, it's going to be way too late. So for me, I'm out on him because I just can't trust it. And, and there's like dozens of pitchers that are like that with me, relievers, starters, but certain guys like Strasburg, I can look and say, it seems by the end of the year, they've pitched this much. And 
I'm, I'm okay with that. But with Kershaw, I feel like it could be going the other way and he's going to miss more. And that worries me. Yeah, but but and that's possible. But I mean, I think for me, I I, I don't build any of my my teams around. Uh, this guy should be hurt three years from now. I, I like to look at it and say, okay, what's he going to do for me now, and what's he going to potentially do for me later? And that's where I begin and end it. Um, but beyond that, moving into you know some of the more uh, guaranteed talent, I guess is where we're getting to. And I'm I'm going to lead off that comment with probably the least guaranteed of the group and that's <laughs> exactly that's Severino, Severino. Um, here's some guaranteed content everyone <laughs> oh not at all guaranteed Luis Severino See, he is just sprinkling <laughs> some buzzwords right guaranteed this yeah everyone's paying attention now projectable so. yeah that's right <laughs> his woba yeah he has the body yeah so you know <laughs> Severino is is a hell of a pitcher uh, Obviously had a little bit of an injury in the spring here, but he's young enough that that shouldn't, you know, scare you away from him um, in any way, shape, or form. I think the only thing for me that really is a, a killer for Severino is of the remaining group that we're counting down here, he's probably the one that has the most control issues um, in that group. So, you know, ultimately the stuff is there. It's a, It's dynamite. Um, and, and that's really what it is. Can he throw it for a strike when he needs to and, and stay ahead of the counts? Because when he does, he is unhittable. Absolutely. So, yeah, the last two years, he's had 193 and 191 innings, and his Ks have been 230 and 220. So even yeah. though the Ks per nine came down last year, that's fine because it was not his personal best season. His ERA was just under three and 17, and last year it was 3.39. He had 19 wins last year. Like, the guy's helping you in all, all formats. Only, um, what do you have? I shouldn't say only. He had 46 walks last year, which was down from the year before at 51. So the control overall could be getting a little bit better. But like, he's a legit great player, and this year will be his age 25 year. So I believe he is the youngest guy. I have him at four. So I believe he's the youngest guy on my list, and your other – sorry, I should say the, the top tier list. Your other guy is Bueller. That you've got that's in that top but like Severino I you know I remember getting him before he ever threw a pitch and thinking this is going to be great and he came in and he was not great and I traded him and I don't remember what else and I got like Pujols and some other crap back and like it still haunts me because you know when you make bad trades because you think about it like I made a bad trade when I acquired Sunday Gray once upon a time I made a bad trade when I acquired or sorry got rid of Louis Severino one time like these are things that as fantasy players you'll remember them and think like, okay, how do I protect myself? And if you don't take chances, I mean, you're screwed in fantasy anyway, but I like to calculate my risk. Yeah. And for me, Severino is a pretty good risk to take. And obviously you feel the same way. Now you've got Snell at seven, who we did us. Yeah, absolutely. I love Snell. I think he's going to continue to operate in, in the upper echelon. Like I said, the, the batting average against for me is, is the, the number I look at for what's repeatable. Strikeout numbers are going to be there. That, that's, you either strike people out or you don't. That's not an if. So throw that in with the batting average. I like his chance to repeat it. Is he going to be as good as he was last year? No, probably not. But, um, you know, I do expect him to be, you know, a good chunk of that good for this coming season. And so for you, you have Garrett Cole on the other side, who we both love uh, at number eight. And so I know he's a horse that you have in multiple leagues. And, you know, ultimately – the uh, K's and the quality starts and the wins are all going to be there down in Houston. And that was the best thing that could have happened to him last year was getting traded out of Pittsburgh into that powerhouse lineup in Houston. He came in 
and cleaned up his stuff. And he's just been great. And a teammate of his is my number seven guy, and that's Verlander. And I could I could very easily say that Cole's seven, Verlander's eight, the age difference and things. But for me, Verlander's just got this track record. He's somebody that I feel confident with, and and that's that's where it is for me. And six, I've got Aaron Nola. And I did quickly touch on Thor before at five when we discussed him. And Nola, for you, you have at five, and you've got Bueller at six. So I guess of the of those guys, we just haven't really discussed Nola. And I, I see him kind of as he has just broken into that upper echelon this year. And we are about to see what he's – how old is he? Like 25, 26? This is age 26 year. Yeah, we're about to see eight great years. I mean, he he's probably of the group uh, the most accurate pitcher. Um, and, and so for me, what I've seen in the spring so far is, is a velocity jump. And so if that is combined with his accuracy, uh, he, he's going to be in that unhittable category because he's going to stay ahead of these guys on every single at bat. And that, that will make him a very deadly pitcher. Um, not to mention that the, the offense around him got night and day better in the off season. Yeah, and I like I'm just here at Baseball Reference looking at his uh, career numbers. So he went from 77 innings to 111 to 168 to 212, and everything else for him went up as well, except for the amount of hits that he allowed. He had 154 hits in 2017, and last year he pitched almost 40 more innings or a little more than 40 innings more and gave up five fewer hits. Like this man is not screwing anybody over if you jump a little early to take them because you can expect a lot of production for years to come. And like we said, Philly has primed their team for success for this year and beyond. Yeah. Like Reese is going to be around. I think he's got at least four years left um, before he's free agent eligible. And he's not going anywhere. No, though. Like, and, and he's not like, I don't know why, but for some reason I thought he was a, a, a thicker man he's not a thicker man he's he looks like a prototypical third baseman to me but he, he's probably going to be a perfectly fine first baseman so he's settled in there regardless philly's just set up they're, they're going to be fine and Nola's going to be the one who's anchoring that for them and you know happy to see that he's there and, and he's well over a k per inning and even last year uh in his 212 innings he had 224 the year before in 168 he had 184 all of his career numbers except for his rookie year are over uh, 1K per nine, or sorry, 9Ks per nine. And, like, that's just what you want. You want that steady improvement from him. Yeah, absolutely. And then moving into the, the fourth spot, I've got Cole on my side. Uh, like Cole a lot. I think this is the year. If, if Cole is going to win a Cy Young, it is 2019. Um, so, for me, um, I'm watching his ERA throughout the year. He had a phenomenal start on the earned run side of the ball this year. And then it really kind of fell off towards the back end and really damaged his shot to even be in that conversation because he delivers on K's and he delivers on quality starts and the wins are going to be there. So um, he definitely needs to be in the conversation. And, and for me, this is the year for that to happen. You have Severino at four, uh, which kind of closes off um, our, our next tier. And then we're into the elite guys. We, we both kind of agreed that, the top three for us um, are the only ones that are truly elite at this point in time um, from a season-long standpoint. Obviously, we just talked about Kershaw's perspective as a single inning or a single outing kind of guy. 
uh, is definitely still in that conversation. And you could argue there's a couple other ones, but these three have separated themselves from the pack. So at number three, who do you got? Ryan Barucki. No, I've got Jacob DeGrom as my number three. <laughs> it would have been just great to homer out with some J's. Daniel Norris. Oh, <laughs> I do own him in a league, and I'm terrified that um, I have to own him. But I got him, man. Uh, yeah, I, uh, but I own him for the league minimum. So in the auction, oh, well, that's not so, so it's not a bad setup. He's, he's going to be, as long as he's healthy, start in that rotation. So. Yeah, I'll take it in a points. Yeah, major league pitchers that start every fifth day have value no matter who they are, and Norris could be one. But he's not a top three guy. So, yeah, Jacob deGrom had an amazing year last year. I don't think the Mets are as good a team as a lot of people are saying. I think they're going to be fine, but I don't think they're going to be this amazing defensive team. He's going to have some numbers that are better, like he's going to have more run support. That should lead to more wins. But that season that he just had, those numbers he put up were amazing, very much like Snell. I don't know that they're repeatable for him, but that doesn't mean he can't still be an elite, amazing pitcher if he's within 15% of what he did last year. So for me, DeGrom is three, no Yeah, higher. and so you and I flip-flop our three and two. Uh, you have Sale at number two, I have DeGrom at number two, and then I have Sale at number three. It, it comes down to two really easy things for me. Sale scares the living crap out of me, but his numbers are phenomenal. Um, his elbow is a ticking time bomb, in my opinion. But, um, you know, at the same time, he's went, what, eight, nine, ten years now without having real any long stretch on the DL. So, um, yeah, like last year, he had a little bit of an injury, and everybody's like, oh my God, he's finally done. happening. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Everything I told you guys, remember that? So, yeah, that didn't happen, and he continues to just mow, and, and that's great. I mean, I, I, I can't take it away from him, and that's why I've got him number three. Um, but when it comes to DeGrom, uh, you know, the scenario for me is this uh, the guy pitched his butt off, and, and not just through. Like, DeGrom is a pitcher right? Like Sale, Scherzer are throwers, right? And, and DeGrom is the, is the pitcher of that group. And, and he does throw pretty hard, but um, he, he's a, he massages a little bit more and I have a soft spot for guys like that versus Sale. So um, that's really why I got him there. Um, I don't know why you, you have Sale too, instead of where I have him where he's supposed to be. More career success from Sale, and to me, the lefty advantage and on, a, on an actual dominant team should get him some more wins and present him with more opportunities for quality starts and yeah. wins as he ages, depending on exactly you know long-term where he is. But right now, um, I don't see a decline coming in Sale. His body type also isn't the type where I think he's going to be losing a lot of velocity. He's a pretty thin dude, so he should be able to keep ratcheting it up. Well, so, and, and I think you know when you say the Mets aren't as good as the people think they're, I, I, I cannot wait for our bold predictions episode. Oh, man. And it's it's gonna be so much fun. I'm gonna have people crying after that episode. And oh my goodness! So it's uh it's gonna go on about the Mets a little bit, but um you know more or less I, I do think the Mets are gonna be pretty good this year. I actually think they're gonna win that division. And Ooh. yeah, so um there's a reason I, I I say that, and you know we'll we'll come back to that in that future episode if anyone can recall this this note, but. <laughs> um, you know, that leaves us just with our, our number one, which is a unanimous one. And, and I think maybe the only one we have on our boards, <laughs> which, yeah, it uh, might be the only one that, no. which is really, I didn't actually think about that. We have Otani. Oh, that's right. 
We have yeah. Otani and, and Scherzer, and I think that's it. So it's kind of funny how that works out. But, um, you know, ultimately Scherzer's the one. The numbers are there, wins, Ks, you know, quality starts. Walk. 300 strikeouts last year and yeah. a whip point nine one. Yeah, the guy's it's a monster. Not. The guy's an absolute stud. Um, and, and think about the fact that Arizona could have had him this whole time. Uh, yeah, I to see that. <laughs> trade him to Detroit. And, but, but the good part, too, is, is – That was a good baseball trade, though, when he got traded. That was actually a real nice baseball trade. What was that full deal? Like I was uh, well, Scherzer and Granderson ended up in Detroit. Um, who, are the, who are the other teams? The Yankees well, I was got – Was that the one with the – yeah. No, 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 no sorry. Later on. Grander, Granderson went to the Yankees in that trade. Okay. And then some, who went from the Yankees to Arizona? I don't know. It was somebody pretty good. Yeah, I'll look it up. I can't remember anyway. But, but I mean, Scherzer obviously kind of came into his own in Detroit, whether you want to say that was the coaching staff at the time or pitching with JV and the rest of the boys that were there in that dominant run. But, um, you know, it, he's obviously in a league of his own at this point. Um, you know, when we talked about Kershaw being in that category, but just not – to the volume that that we're seeing out of Scherzer. So um, until he says tells us otherwise, it is Scherzer and and then the next guys. Okay, here we are. Yeah, I'm with you on Scherzer. So Diamondbacks sent Scherzer to Detroit as part of the three team trade with the Yankees. Arizona acquired pitchers Ian Kennedy and Edwin Jackson in the deal. Tigers also landed Daniel Sherleth, Phil Coke, and Austin Jackson. Yeah, okay. So there we go. Yeah, and Granderson. Yeah, and went the to funny the thing is, when that trade happened, everybody thought Arizona won it. I, I, I right. do remember that because Ian Kennedy was supposed to be the stud. He was the, the top level prospect coming out of the Yankees system, and they were super stoked to have him. And then, retrospect, they got hosed. <laughs> right. Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny how sometimes in trades, I mean, Dynasty as well for us, you, you look at it right away and you're like, what are they doing? Like, who is this rookie or that rookie? And then three years later, you're wondering, oh, crap. Like, how did they know? Yeah. How did they know about Soto or Acuna or whoever it is that breaks through? So, Because they listen to dingers. That's why. It will be because they listen to dingers. That's right. All right. So that wraps up our top 50 um, and a really long stretch of us talking about pitchers as we did back-to-back <laughs> episodes here this evening. And, uh, and earlier this week we did back-to-back episodes. Yeah. So if you need to know, about, same starting pitching. <laughs> yeah. If you need to know about pitching, where are your guys right now? So, <laughs> I am uh, ready for my auction tomorrow, starting at 1 PM Eastern time. And I did, I wanted to mention it real quick. So I've got this idea where I am going to lay in wait. I am only going to bid on and get the top relievers to fill my RP slots. I'm going to get high-end closer dudes who are going to be doing that for at least three years. And then I'm going to sit back and I'm going to wait and I'm going to watch all the fools spend all their money. And then I'm going to come in towards the end when people have lost interest and we are in like hour five, six or seven, and I'm going to swoop in and I'm going to start picking off all of my just lost their rookie eligibility prospects. And because you can post anyone you want, I can also post rookies who I think are going to break through in 2019. And I'm just going to like have my way with this league and this auction tomorrow. But my whole plan is basically to take a nap for a good 90 minutes right in the middle of that. (laughs) That's awesome. Well, good luck with that. And uh, good luck to you all out there who are drafting. Uh, Tell us your big dilemmas, you know, hit us up on dingers pod on Twitter. 
let us know who you're struggling to draft. We want to know about it. Um, and then we want to tell you what to do. Um, Absolutely. We were, we are going to, we dominate our leagues and now, you know, through vicariously through you, we can dominate yours. So um, <laughs> bring, bring it to Twitter and, and dingers pod. And we will see you next time on dingers. This is Dingers, way more than fantasy baseball We keep it real when we talk and knock it straight out the park (laughs) Let's see the stats, what's the average draft position? What kind of plays you making? Check the wins above replacement Check the lineups and the points, this I gotta see What's your path to victory? Are they aiming for a dynasty? Get points going head to head, please don't do me no favors We're always watching waivers, ain't no minor league, this is major Yeah, Dingers, let's go